Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Grow With Soul. Today is a conversational episode about the business of coaching with my good friend Jen Carrington. Jen is a creative coach who has been running her business for about six years and she actually coached me back in 2017 when I first had the idea of starting my own business. Today we talk about how we plan out our years and the direction of our business as coaches, the difference between finding and surrendering to balance, what jobs your marketing has to do as a coach or a facilitator, and how we both approach the dreaded selling. This episode is also the last of the current season, so I really wanted to bring a cosy kind of end of term feel by shooting the breeze with one of my closest business friends. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, Jen. Hi, Kate. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good because we just chatted for an hour. Which I know, which is, and now I'm kind of like not in the zone to, I, like, I can't remember the things I ask people on this podcast now. <laughs> I have said no to all podcast requests this year. So anyone listening who I've said in an email, sorry, I'm saying no to all podcast requests this year. And they're like, you what now? You've said yes to Kate is a very good friend, so I wasn't going to say no. And it sounds like a really fun podcast episode, but it's because I haven't done this. Like, obviously, I record my own podcast, but because I haven't been interviewed, I'm a little like a fish out of water right now. Oh, well, A, I feel honoured. And I literally <laughs> just like had my hand over my mouth, like, oh my God, I've like <laughs> put you in an awkward position now that you had no. to say yes to me. <laughs> no. It was, you caught me on a good day where I was feeling like time optimistic, but it's a. <laughs> I mean, being invited onto someone's podcast is like the nicest, greatest thing, really, because they want to have a conversation with you. It's just time boundaries, you know, but mm. maybe maybe I told everyone who I said no to come back to me next year. So if anyone's listening, come back to me next year. I'll try and say yes, I promise. <laughs> you may regret that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for anybody who isn't familiar with your work or anything like that, can you give us a kind of brief introduction of who you are and what you do? So I'm Jen and I'm a creative coach and what I focus on is helping my clients build impactful, fulfilling and sustainable creative lives. And I kind of phrase it like that because my work really focuses on building businesses and lives that are fulfilling to do the work, but also fulfilling to live the life and kind of making your life work for you and making your business work for you. And kind of uh, kind of a good example of that is UK. We worked together, what, two years ago, three years ago? Two, two, I think. Two years ago. And kind of what we focused on is helping you figure out what you want your business to be and how to move it forward. And I kind of spend my days doing that. I spend my days working with my clients, helping them figure out what they want to do and how to do it. And most of all, I, my favorite thing about the work I do is that I see my clients come home to themselves. There's so much in this world that kind of disconnects us from our own version of success, our own version of joy, our own version of meaning. And together, I help my clients figure out what they want to do and how to actually do it in a way that works for them and not in a way that has to follow all of these rules or blueprints that end up just exhausting them or disconnecting them from themselves. And alongside that, I'm a podcaster. I have two podcasts, Make It Happen, which is kind of in permanent hiatus at the moment. <laughs> and then Letters from a Hopeful Creative, which I host with my good friend Sarah Tasker. I write, I write newsletters and mini books. And I used to write a blog very 
very often now I don't really write on it that much <laughs> but my work is pretty much centered around helping creative humans build businesses and lives that work best for them I hope that answers your question <laughs> yeah that's a very good succinct little sum up of everything and I, I think what's interesting there and we'll definitely come on to it is like you said about you, you used to blog and you don't so much anymore and you you kind of do narrow things down a lot which I think is really interesting but as I said we will come on to that in its own space and time because where I wanted to start out was a little bit around kind of planning because you are very much somebody who I think of as being kind of very you're very precious about your time like you kind of said earlier you've got time boundaries and things like that so I think it's always interesting to see how particularly coaches who don't have product cycles and things like that how Mm. they plan out kind of like your year as a coach how do you decide like this is this is going to be the focus of my business for the foreseeable Yeah, I think the first thing to point out here, because I think what I'm about to share is only able to be shared because like next year will be my sixth year of running this business. And because I'm now at a point where I've been running this for a while, and that gives you two things, it gives you like clarity, and it also gives you stability because you've been doing it for a while. It has given me the ability to know how I want to plan my year. And also it's given me the ability to be able to plan my year. So I say that for anyone listening, who's maybe like at the beginning stages of a coaching business and they're like, oh my God, I'll never get there. I felt like the exact same way. I had a massive burnout my first year of business. But I guess in terms of planning my year, like Kate said, because I don't do big product launches, because the very core of my business is one-on-one coaching work. And then I have a few digital products, but like, that's just not a big focus of my business. I actually start by planning my year out with planning my time off in the calendar so I take 18 weeks off a year from coaching which sounds like a lot I think that's a quarter of the and a third of the year that I take off from one-on-one work (laughs) yeah wow that's loads (laughs) and I do that for a couple of reasons I do it because I have this big mantra at the the heart of my business that my business orbits my life my life doesn't orbit my business Mm. so I want my life to be the first choice in my calendar and I take 18 weeks off for a couple of reasons number one I have a chronic health illness which kind of means that I need more time maybe than the average human to just like sleep and rest and not do anything (laughs) and also number two I don't think we were put on this earth to work to live like like do you know like not to not live to work like I think I want my life to work for me and not just be rooted around work but to take 18 weeks off a year it has to be in the calendar at the beginning like next year's holidays like 2020's holidays are already in the calendar to be spread out so that clients can get booked in it's as little disruptive of clients as possible so I start the year off thinking about how I want my year to look with my life and it tends to be usually I take a month off in the summer and a month off at the end of the year to kind of give me those every six months I kind of have a big chunk of time to recharge and then I put other weeks in throughout the year usually around like special occasions like my birthday my husband's birthday and then usually like I try and end a quarter with a week or two off so that goes in first and then I put in my availability for clients I kind of decide myself kind of how much work do I want to do on a weekly basis client-wise and then everything else in terms of like product launches or new project launches it's completely energetically decided throughout the year. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. I maybe start a year with a few ideas in mind of, oh, I'd love to do this project or I'd love to create this product. And I I pencil in in my mind different times of the year where it would be nice to do it. But I really let that be decided very energetically throughout the year. Like what I thought this year would look like at the beginning of the year, 
in terms of outside of client work, none of it has happened the way yeah. I penciled in for it to happen. But things have happened that I didn't predict or my energy's taken me in different places. So I I kind of, I have this approach to planning where I have structure with my client work and then I have spontaneity and freedom with the rest side of my business because it kind of lets me flex two energetic muscles. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the, the spontaneous thing is quite important because I was thinking about this recently about how, like all the in, like, goals I set and the intentions that I set at the in January this year, like oh, they've all changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't care about those things anymore. Or like they shifted or, you know, any number of things happened. And so while I do like that kind of clean slate feeling of this is, this is going to be my year, actually in practice, it's much more a sort of quarter by quarter mm. and to keep reviewing it throughout the year as I'm working along rather than setting out a whole plan and then sticking to it because just like my attention shifts and mm. circumstances change and I do think that is that's a strength to be able to adapt and change and be spontane- spontaneous and you know when people keep saying the same things to you to be like you know what I'm going to move that change this plan and I'm going to turn it into this instead of that so I think that to not be too rigid with it is is really important but I'm curious about your rest that you plan in and whether that was something either that you still kind of find difficult to give yourself or or whether at least at the beginning it was kind of like oh is this is this allowed (laughs) and how you kind of overcame that oh yeah in the beginning I think in the beginning and I was 22 when I started my business I think I still lived in that world where it was like a badge of honor to push yourself as hard as possible and I think everyone goes to that journey like like you kind of have those jokes with other creative friends like oh my god I'm working this weekend because I've got so much to do and it kind of makes you feel like your life has more meaning because you're so busy if you know what I mean Mm. and so I definitely had I had those moments where I would feel guilty about taking a week off I also think in the beginning though you've got less financial stability in your business so I I actually felt more anxious taking time off because I was still trying to get my business to a stable place. Mm. So I think the the reality of having a business that didn't have as much legs led to some of my maybe overworking in the early days. But looking back, I was probably trying to live by a version of productivity that I still could have let go even while trying to get my business stable. Nowadays, I would say 99% of the time, I have no shame. I actually am really proud of the fact of how much I prioritize rest. Mm. And I think there's two two different types of rest. There's like inactive rest and active rest. So sometimes rest looks like sitting on the sofa binge watching Gilmore Girls. But sometimes rest looks like going on a trip to explore somewhere new and like recharging yourself that way or going for a walk or having lunch with a friend or drawing or whatever. But I think for me, because I live with a chronic illness, it's been a gift to me because when you live with a chronic illness, you don't, and I say this just to give perspective on my perspective in business because I might sound like an alien to some people who (laughs) don't have this like mindset shift. But I think when you live with a chronic illness, it puts you in a place in your body where you can't achieve things a lot of the time and you can't be productive and you, you don't live in a body that you can force and that you can push and that you can overachieve with. So either you feel like an utter failure for the rest of your life or you redefine what it means to be a productive, worthwhile human being. So I think living with illness has taught me that my worth is outside of what I achieve and do and that my ability to take care of myself really well is the only way I can have any impact in my work and any stability in my work and any impact in my life at all. So I think I've been given this gift to 
I really see rest as part of the process of being able to do anything else. Mm. So now I don't feel any guilt, but it took burning out early on to reframe my whole mindset and approach to work. And I think most people I know who are at a similar stage of business to me and give themselves a space to rest, I think most of us have gone through a burnout stage to then redefine the whole journey for ourselves. I think you've been through that too. Yeah, I was I was just thinking about that because at the time we're recording, we're coming up to Christmas and I've kind of been having conversations and felt bad about the fact that I'm taking an extended period. I think it's like three or four weeks off rather than like two weeks or 10 days mm. or whatever it is people have. And, and like almost like hidden that fact mm. and been like oh there's 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 gonna be less time over christmas <laughs> and like in case somebody tells me off i don't know yeah. um, and it's interesting because like i don't care if somebody else takes that time off <laughs> you know if i buy a course from someone or like that you are taking that time off i'm not like oh god so inconvenient like <laughs> i'm like great for them how inspiring so i'm I'm trying to always hold on to that a little bit but i think you're right that since kind of the first half of this year having a burnout period of my own i'm very much now i find it much easier to be like what what is this for and mm. it's not for just like feeling like crap and working because I feel like I have to and there's this invisible boss that's making me like that that wasn't what it was for in the first place and so to really kind of hold on to that and be like no it's all right to to go and do this on this day or to to kind of cut the availability on a Saturday because I want to go and do a roof making course like that's okay because that's what the business is there for not the other way around yeah, I think it's that whole, like, my business orbits my life. My life doesn't orbit the business. And if you if you really embody that in your business, it, it makes you ask that question, like, what is this all for? And I also find, for me, the biggest permission slip that allows me to put my needs first in the business and to make my year and my days work best for me is I know what enough is for me in the business. And I don't just mean financially there, even though that's a big piece of it. I know for me, what is what I want to give to my business? Like as long as I am showing up for my clients and giving them a hundred percent and giving them all I can give them to support them in their journeys. And as long as I'm creating, meeting the, the, the deadlines of my own content deadlines that I give myself. So for me, that's a weekly letter every Sunday, a podcast episode every couple of weeks, unless we take a break. As long as I'm meeting what I class as enough in my business, the rest is optional. And I think setting yourself some parameters of what does it mean for me to show up and give a hundred percent in this season of my business, it then takes away the pressure to fill every minute. I've been thinking about this a lot. We talk a lot when we run a business about finding freedom. But I think the piece that we miss out of the puzzle is that freedom is something you sometimes have to claim, not find. Yeah. Do you remember when we were working together and it was when you had moved to Wales and we, you would have calls. And also, if you want to cut this out, because this is too personal. Again, <laughs> but we would have calls and you would be like, Jen, I've just sat at my desk all day. Mm. I don't have anything to do, but I'm just, I can't stop working. I can't stop yeah. sitting at my desk. Mm. And now that is the opposite of who you are because you've got on a journey of claiming the time freedom that you have for yourself. And I think everyone goes on that journey where freedom comes from the inside out. And I think it's giving ourselves permission to redefine what productivity has to look like, what enough has to look like in terms of what we give. Because the 40-hour work week was invented by the Industrial Revolution. I cannot remember the last time I worked a 40-hour work week, mm. but I make a great living and do great work that I'm proud of and that I see has meaning and impact in the world at a pace that works for me, not at a pace that 
tick someone else's boxes if that makes sense yeah no and I I don't mind you saying that either because (laughs) I think that's um I think it takes a really long time to actually get out of that and and Mm. especially if you've been in kind of the traditional workplace for a long time that it, it is a complete 180 degree shift from you know your job is sitting at this desk for a set amount of time to your job is getting these things done in any amount of time that you choose the value has completely changed it's it's not about your time it's about the work itself when you're doing this kind of thing and that's a really hard thing to start to get your head around and yeah I also agree with you on the the finding it within yourself and and especially where this year I like definitely started out the year being like I am going to find balance and fulfillment and I'm gonna really strive really hard to find it and seek it out and the thing that I found is that really is it's not something that you find but something that you surrender to Mm. it's it's a letting go rather than a holding on of all those other things and it's really that prioritizing of the tasks and saying I choose to not work in this moment I choose to go and do something else I choose to prioritize something else or I choose to prioritize these three things for my business but not these other eight that were kind of nice to do but just like I can't <laughs> well, I think you said something really interesting you said I was I was striving for fulfillment yeah like that in itself is like an oxymoron <laughs> do you know, I know what I mean like, like I love what you said like it's a surrender I think it truly is and I think I think striving in and of itself is a thing in our work and our lives that disconnects us from ourselves And I think this is the biggest piece of it is that freedom and fulfillment and joy can only come from finding a home within ourselves and read because we all have baggage. We all have baggage from childhood and from the workplace that other people's values have influenced the permission slips that we give ourselves or the permission slips that we don't give ourselves to, to live a certain way. And I find for my clients and for myself and for my creative friends that the only way to truly do two things, to truly find fulfillment and joy in this path, but also to do our very best work, whatever that means to us, is to find that home within ourselves and to find whatever our version of success and productivity and all those different things is. And I don't think striving is ever part of the process. I think we can achieve our goals in a more easeful way than I think when we strive, we disconnect ourselves from our inner wisdom. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But I think it's been modeled to us that striving is the path forward. But I think there's a better path forward that brings more peace and more clarity and I think we're afraid sometimes to not strive our way to something because that's been modelled to us as the way to get there. I know mm. I'm going to have a massive tangent, but I just I'm very yeah. curious about that. But I think I think it's important to say that, and because I'm also sort of imagining kind of past me listening to that and being like, okay, well, yeah, that's all well and good, but like, how, how <laughs> do you not do that when when, as you say, it's all that's been modelled, it's all that you've ever known, it's all that's been valued is oh, they work really hard, they really try and do this and and that's definitely why I approached I approached it from that respect because it's always been like well if I work really really hard Mm. I'll get the thing that I want and actually some of the things that have been important for me this year in like in that part of that surrender is to actually the the most important breakthroughs I've have had have been in periods where I've like gone and laid down on my bed and daydreamed Mm. about what like I wanted to feel like or doing a tarot spread and writing things out and kind of connecting to my intuition in that way because it's hard because you say oh 
<clears throat> you need to find your version of success. And then the word find is very active mm, and it's mm. like, well, how I'm going to go about and find it. I'm going on my quest to find it. Whereas actually yeah. the only way that sometimes you can find it is just by doing some different things and just paying attention to like how good it feels or not. It's been really cool this year as, because we set our relationship off as coach and client and then there's always this weird thing when, as a coach and client, you have a, then a fallow season of, like, not much communication. Mm. If you then become friends, you get what I mean? Like, we stay yeah. in touch. But then this year, we've become close friends. And it's been really cool to see from the outside, like, the internal battles you've had of figuring all of this out. But really what it's felt like for me watching you is that every layer you shared of all the shoulds and all the all the striving your way to the answers... And the more you've got to this place that where you've that's this place of surrendering, you've shed these layers, and it's like your light has come on. Does that make any sense? And it's really beautiful to see for you because you you give so much to everyone else for your work. Like you you give so much value and so much support. But this year has felt like a year of of your light coming back on for you. I don't know if that feels like mm. that for you, but that's what it's felt like watching, and it's been really cool because I think what's really interesting is you've done amazing work within just a few short years of running your business but the best is yet to come because if you surrender to your journey and if you figure out what makes you happy which you've been doing your light is even bigger then if that makes sense mm. yeah and, and this is something that I have started to talk about a bit more and, and especially as I've kind of explored things like purpose through the purpose kit and stuff like that is that very much when I started out it was all like what's the value I can give 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 mm. give give and never really considered the what what do I want and need <laughs> within all of this and then that just isn't sustainable because if you're doing work that you don't enjoy or you don't enjoy the volume of it or it's overwhelming then like you can't continue it or you can't you can't continue it at all or you can't continue it in any kind of quality and so that really has to be an important part of the equation when you're thinking about what you're going to do or you're bringing out new offerings or you're thinking about how many clients you're taking on is like how is this going to be enjoyable for me as well and how how am I going to enjoy my life when it's like this yeah you probably remember this my kind of process of helping clients when they figure out their what the hell they want to build for themselves I get them to get their lifestyle goals down first and foremost because if you build a business that only has financial or professional goals leading the way, but no lifestyle goals telling you how you want to spend your days, how you want to navigate your years, how you want to feel, how you want it to work around your life, you will get lost because you will find yourself with a well full of success, but a well empty of joy. And I think as a coach, and for anyone, I know this is an episode kind of focusing on coaching as a business, the hardest piece of this, I think, is that our work is all about giving us of ourselves to others to support them in their journey. But what often gets sacrificed in the process is ourselves. We just become a vessel for other people's own fulfillment and own joy and own growth. And it's really easy to sacri sacrifice yourself in that process and find yourself one day just being someone who helps other people but not living your own life. And I think there's a piece of the, you, we can only do the very best work we can as coaches if we are first and foremost taking care of ourselves. It's kind of like when people say you have to mother yourself first before you can mother someone else. Mm. It's kind of like we have to not coach ourselves first, but we have to put ourselves first if we have any shot of giving our best to anyone else in our work or our lives. And, and I think especially in coaching where it becomes so easy to cross those lines and because people, because of people's expectations or you can just see something that they need and you can push it a bit further and things like that it's really important to kind of know what you're in it for before you start to so that you can go meet those expectations with your own expectations and rather just 
than fold under the weight of them. Yeah. Like, for example, like with my week, I coach Wednesdays and Thursdays. So Wednesdays and Thursdays, I'm at my desk or pretty much for the big chunk of the day with breaks in between on calls. And the reason why that feels so fulfilling and joyful for me, alongside the fact that I love my clients and love working with them, is that Mondays and Tuesdays are my days. I use those days to write or to go explore or to watch Gilmore Girls or to see friends. Like, I use those days purely for me. And yes, it's probably about 45 minutes of each of those days where I'm in emails replying to my clients, but that's such a tiny part of the day that the rest of the day is all mine. And Fridays, too, are all mine. And I think there's something... I When I first started, I coached every day of the week. And I didn't feel like a person anymore. And I think there's something about actually scheduling your time in a way that protects the space that you need so that when you're sitting down with clients, you never want to get to a place where you're resenting the energy. You you will resent the energy you give to clients if you feel like you're not giving yourself anything back. So I think for me, I fill my tank up so much that by Wednesdays and Thursdays, I'm just so joyfully excited to give that energy because I've already given myself everything I need for that week to feel whole for me. So I think there's something around as a coach, scheduling your time in a way where you can give your all to your clients, but you're also making enough time for you so that you don't end up showing up as a lesser version of yourself for your clients. And obviously you're going to have times where you're tired and you're burnt out and you have to rally and that's fine. But I think there's a way of making sure that your tank is full. So therefore the client work just naturally feels more joyful because I think burnout as a coach is quite, I don't know any coach who's been in business for a while who hasn't experienced some level of burnout from the coaching side of things because you're asking a lot of yourself energetically. So you've got to find a way to be able to do that in a way that still feels joyful. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think we've kind of come on a little bit to -to day-to-day stuff, which I know is something that you've been thinking about a lot because you've been kind of really looking at your own routines and you've started Build A Better Day, which is your kind of content project. So you can kind of talk about that a bit if you want as well, but it'd be interesting to kind of, take this down and either like some insights that you've had from the interviews you do on Build a Better Day that have you've kind of taken on and changed or, or like just what your approach is to the importance of like your day-to-day routines and planning. Yeah it's really interesting I if you'd have told me at the beginning of this year that I would have been exploring this like how to build a better day in so much depth I would have been like nah I've already got that down I've got that like like one of my core signature off- like products is called the intuitive work week which I'm currently rejigging to lo- relaunch the new year like I've explored a lot over the past few years how to build our work weeks and days to work best for us I'm just gonna need a little bit of background to people on where I'm coming from <laughs> in July of this year I take all of July off from my business and I finish work and I my last day of work and I felt awful I felt so depleted and joyless and just something did not feel right in my experience of my daily life and what I realized was I have done a really good job in my business of making the bigger vision plan work for me I've planned my year in a certain way I've planned my weeks in a certain way I've I know how to manage my time really well you know I never feel overwhelmed really by my to-do list I've got that whole structure down but my actual day-to-day experience of my life was not feeling good because I think I'm better at planning the bigger vision but on a day-to-day basis I wasn't making good choices I wasn't always eating food that was fueling me I wasn't always choosing to spend my time in a way that felt as fulfilling as it could do I mean I live with a chronic illness that controls pretty much everywhere that I navigate my life and a big flare-up kind of fueled 
a lot of how I was feeling stuck in my days. But the more I talk to my clients as well, and the more we figure out what they need to be fulfilled and joyful and move forward in their work and their lives, I see that a lot of it comes down to the little choices we make every day. And so I tried to, I started in July kind of resetting my daily habits and building better daily habits. And then I just wanted to ask everyone I follow online what they do to build a better day. So I was like, I'll build a website to do it. And what I am learning so far from the interviews and from my own experience is it's just tiny choices we make each day to claim our minutes as our own. Because for example, if I start my day and scroll through Instagram, as lovely as it is to see all the cool things people are sharing on there, that is not the best way to start my day. The best way for me to start my day is to meditate or to journal or to have breakfast with my husband or to cuddle my dog. Like it's to do things that are internal and joyful and grounding. Grounding was the word that's really guiding me and how I want to build my days. And it's just, I think we underestimate the impact of tiny choices. The really interesting thing that I've seen from the interviews so far is it's the little choices people make every day that make the biggest difference. Whether it's someone going to yoga or someone going for a walk or someone making a movie or someone prioritizing a family meal over working into the evening it's little choices we make every day that make our days better and more joyful and enable us to do the things that are most important to us and it was your interview was really interesting because one of the things I took away from it is that you stopped expecting yourself to work all the time I think you said that like you only work usually like four hours a day but you get done in that time the work that's most important to you you kind of have cut the floor from like your to-do list mm. And something I get from you as a friend, just chatting and seeing how you build your days is you get outside every day with baggins and walk him. And I just like, I can just see from you that like you go on these walks and that's when you kind of listen to a podcast or reconnect with yourself and you get out in nature and it, and it fills you up in a way that scrolling for your phone in bed probably wouldn't do. And I think it's just, I'm learning that it's the little things we do every day that make our experience of our daily lives better. And so I'm kind of obsessed with making better daily choices. However, I also have weeks where I make terrible daily choices and that's okay because I'm a human mm-hmm. being. Yeah. <laughs> but the days where I make a choice more intentionally, I just, I love my life more because life is hard. Like we're all navigating really hard things, whether it's illness or grief or just frustration or whatever. We're all navigating hard things, but I don't want my life to feel hard even if things are hard. And I'm learning that I can choose joy just by going out and walking outside and being around nature will do so much more for me than sitting on the sofa eating a big bar of chocolate scrolling through Instagram ever would. Even though I do like to sit on the sofa and eat a big bar of chocolate every day, it's my favourite moment. Mm. But it's yeah, it's the little things that make all the difference in the world. And I think in business, it's the same. It's um, I think work and life, they live alongside each other and the choices I make in my life impact my business so much, just like the choices I make in my business impact my life so much. Yeah, I think, yeah, I I agree. Um, But yeah, I think from my point of view, it was very much a kind of realisation of how much of the stuff that I was stressing out about was an arbitrary deadline that I gave to Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have to do this, I have to do this, there's no time. And it's like, well, the only person who said I have to do this is me and I'm okay with the fact I'm not doing it (laughs) like I'm the only person I need to answer to here and I say it's fine and and I think that's a big learning curve and it is a fine balance to to find between having those deadlines that actually gets you to get stuff done Mm -hmm. and keep some momentum but also to the point where it's making your life miserable like you can just move them and change them and that's what I did with the playbook because I was going to have it I, like I had the idea in like July and started properly thinking about it kind of end of August, September time. And then I was going to have it start in October. 
And I was I like, remember. I, yeah, I was so stressed out. Like, oh my God, there's absolutely no time whatsoever. I've got to get it all done in like four weeks. And then it's like, hold on. Like, you don't have to start in October. And then it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm finding a way around that where in terms of like doing the pre-orders and stuff to kind of help me out financially, but not having it start until January was like the biggest way and just always a lesson to come back to of like mm. how much of this is an arbitrary deadline I've given myself and like how can I work with myself better here yeah I mean I've done the same I had I was rejigging my two classes to make them like mini self-guided more affordable classes one's done one is half done and I was like oh I need to get these out by the end of the year and I'm like why what diff- five years from now I won't care if I get it out in November or January or February and I think it's a this is a gift of like there's a gift in going through the motions of business and I think you sometimes have to see it to believe it you have to see that it's okay to move a deadline and that nothing falls apart it doesn't affect the outcome of it and I think I think two contradictory things can be true at the same time in business that we have to find a way to be devoted to the goals that are and the projects that are important to us and we also have to find a way to let ourselves live and be a human being at the same time and I think I used to be afraid that you couldn't do both at the same time that you couldn't be committed to a goal and also committed to your own well-being and joy and that you had to live at one end of the spectrum I either had to be like going for it really hard or resting intensely and what I'm learning is I can do both at the same time just not usually both on the same day like Mm -hmm. I need days where I'm gentle and slow I need days where I'm hunkering down and as long as I'm letting my internal ebb and flow guide me I can't usually go wrong and I think it's just um I think learning to trust ourselves and learning to trust ourselves to get the work done but also make the right decisions for us is huge because I think a lot of productivity anxiety comes from feeling out of control and feeling like you have to make this invisible boss happy and you have to get it right and you and I think there's a level of trust that gives you a lot of freedom to then go at the pace that works best for you and to trust that my personal rule is I'd rather go slower but enjoy the journey more than go fast and be so burnt out on the other side that I can't even enjoy where I Mm. got to yeah and and this is something that really recently I've started to remind myself of I think I mentioned it in last week's episode where it's like this this has to sustain me for like Mm. the rest of my life (laughs) and so if I do it all in the first three years then like what's left (laughs) I mean I need to actually space all these things out a little more and like there is time and it's something that I see so often with people with kind of coaching style businesses or they they want to do the course and they want to have this offering and they want to do a group program and then they're doing workshops as well but they're not just doing a workshop they're doing like 20 and it's kind of like like it doesn't all have to happen right now and it's it's hard because you you've got all the ideas right now and you want to do all the things but like they'll be better spaced out and you have to be honest with yourself and be like if I do the workshop now is it going to be as good as I could do it in three years Mm. and I like I don't think we should always do that because I think we can very there's like this epidemic of people kind of going well I can't I can't start Mm. my business until I do xyz but there's um you have to take a balanced view about like is this going to be what I want it to be right now or what can I do instead that's like a, a, a quicker win that you know, then I can start to move on and do more things. Like for me with courses, I don't know if you remember when we first started working together, I was like, oh, I'm going to do these three courses and all of this stuff <laughs> and this stuff. And the courses I planned out there before I even started my business, they never saw the light of day because they were not useful courses for anyone. Whereas actually having done six months of coaching, I then did Campfire, my content course, and 
because they were the conversations I was having over and over yeah. again. And that was a process that I had in place that I was like, this can so easily translate into a course. So although I want to be really careful not to say, wait until you're ready because that day never comes. But like, when is the best moment to do this? And not everything is right now. Well, I think this goes to like the biggest lesson I've learned from my own journey and working with my clients and theirs is that we have to build a relationship with our business. Because once we are in relationship with our business, we know how to make those decisions. We know the difference between when we need to push ourselves and when we need to wait till when we're ready. I don't, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I think a lot of general business advice on the internet, and I'm not putting you or I in this camp or many people that we love and respect in their work, but I think there's a lot of advice on the internet that doesn't encourage people to build a relationship with themselves. I think it encourages them to follow a, br- a blueprint yeah. and follow a formula. And I think what that advice does is it kind of tells the lie of business is just like a colouring by numbers of process and you will get to where you want to get to. Whereas what I see for the people in my life, including you who are thriving and soaring in their business and doing what they want to do, you are in conversation with your business. You are in relationship with it because you've been in business for years. So you know what you you know who your client base are, you know what your message is, but you're also making decisions from a very internal way and you're listening to yourself and you're letting things simmer as you're making decisions. And I think that's a piece of this puzzle that we need to encourage each other to do more is we don't need the answers. What we need is a better relationship with ourselves so that we can make more instinctual, intuitive decisions in our business because the only person who knows how to say the ship about our business is ourselves. And mm. I think that is a key piece to them to m- feel as most at peace as you can in making these kind of hard decisions when you're like, wait, do I push? Do I pull back? Do I rest? Do I hustle? It's having an, a relationship with yourself to know where to go from there. And it mm. takes time. You're not going to have that day one you have to kind of get in the arena and figure it out. But it's interesting for you, the, what, when we started working together in your big vision for your business, you it's when you lived in it that it became what it became. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you, yeah, you can spend all these months planning it and then you do like your first client call and you're like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> or, or whatever it is. Or, or you do a workshop and you're like, wow, this is the most draining thing I've ever done. And it's, yeah, you've got to to learn by doing and trial and error. And I think people worry about that. They want to have the it all perfectly sorted out, but it can't be. And I think especially with work like coaching or if you're creating courses or you're doing workshops or whatever it is you're doing, you're not 100% of the end product. You're only 50%. Mm. And so much of it has to be built around the other person and, and what they can bring that you can't have it all like your process or whatever, you can't have it 100% set in stone because that's not your job. Like your job isn't to pull people kicking through, screaming through a process that you've set out and just arbitrarily, like they've got to bring what they need and and you've got to be able to shift and flex within that. So I think it's it's really difficult for people when they're starting out because they think I need to have it all done and be professional, but there has to be the space in order to do the work that needs to be done. Yeah, you only, there's like a becoming process in your business and you have to, you have to have your awkward years. Like I look back to the beginning and it and it, it didn't have any shape of what it has now, but I had to go through the beginning to get to where I am now and to figure this out and to build up my experience and my awareness in this work. And I think it's, um, again, it comes back to surrendering. I think it comes back to surrendering to the season you're in, in your business, because we all want to be 10 steps ahead. And it's just surrendering to the season that you're in and letting your business 
take you where it wants to take you in many ways while letting your own internal compass steer the ship as well. I think you I really do feel like me and my business are in relationship with each other and sometimes we fall out. <laughs> sometimes we're besties. But we but there's a sincere we respect each other and we respect each other's needs because the bit my business has needs outside of my personal needs, if that makes sense. Mm. Like my business has it has to comply with the country's tax laws <laughs> and it has to be sustainable outside of just sustaining me. It also has to sustain itself. And then I have needs that the business needs to honor. So I like looking at it in a sense of a relationship, but like any relationship, you, I've been with my husband for almost 10 years now. We're much closer now now than we were when we were together for one year. I think it's the same with a business. It's just a, yeah, it's a, it's a journey. And it's, and, and like the cliche says, it's often, there is no destination in business. Like you said, this is going to sustain us for the rest of our working life and maybe even beyond so it's a we don't have to do it all straight away and I and I think there's if you do it all straight away you kind of stifle the natural becoming of it as well. So I'd like to shift a little bit towards marketing because I think I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this and the way that you do it for yourself is so interesting so I guess I'll start off with what have you always found to be most effective in your marketing like over time and also mm. how what's working now i would say it has always been some blend of content and word of mouth so i do not believe i would have the business i have today if it wasn't for the content i have created over the years you know when i first started my business i had been blogging for two years before that i think i was blogging like three to five times a week back then i had a, I have a weekly newsletter which i ran for five years which i post pretty much every sunday unless i'm taking a break i started my podcast make it happen i in my first like five years ago so I had I've had lots of content streams that have made it possible for me to build a relationship with a potential client base and really establish who I am and my ideas and and just what the hell it means to work with me in any capacity and then my word of mouth which is I mean at this point I think I've worked with 200 300 people in different forms you know I've I've got a ton of testimonials I've got a ton of word of mouth around my work together and they have built something that I I would say I am the slowest of slow marketers. <laughs> like I don't do anything in my business that is actually very much focused around growth. I'm only focusing on nurturing because I have enough access to my people that I just want to show up and be of service to them. And organically, I just reach more people when the people who are already paying attention share what I've created with their people. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much. I've always gone about it very organically because... I don't want to be like aggressively marketing myself. I energetically don't have any interest in doing that. But also I the reason why I love slow marketing is because by the time someone decides to work with you, you already have a beautiful relationship. They've heard my voice, they've read my letters, they know who I am. They've gone on a journey where they've already started to make some of the mindset shifts that makes our work even more impactful together. It makes for a beautiful flow of client work. It means you're working with people who are like 100% hell yes, good fits for you. My worst nightmare is someone coming to my website and hiring me straight away mm. because they haven't gotten a relationship with me. So marketing wise, content has been queen for me. But then I think word of mouth has undeniably moved the needle a lot in my business as well. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's really important with a business like this because you know you always see or you get targeted on Facebook and Instagram all the ads from all the coaches and, and people who make courses and stuff and there is always a part of you that's like should I be doing this? <laughs> like, um, I'm really missing a trick here but I'm the same as you like I know that if somebody was to find me or to buy a course from just from a Facebook ad 
like I'd end up refunding them because they mm. wouldn't get it. They'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't want to find my own way to do it. I just want you to give me the blueprint. And it's really important that people do take a journey through my content first to get to a point where they're like, yeah, I'm on board with this kind of ethos. This is what I want to find. And I believe that this is the way that I'm going to get there rather than they just are looking for a solution and they think they found it with me because, well, not that they're not going to find it, but it's probably not what they're looking for in that moment. There needs to be some pre-work done, which I think is a lot of of what the marketing does is it not only kind of attracts people and brings people to you but it it does the pre-work um Mm. of kind of getting them ready to to go deeper well I say this often to my clients I'm like dream clients are made not born Mm. you make a client a dream client for your content because you do all that pre-work you introduce them to your approach to your ethos to your just your community as a coach I think a piece we don't talk about enough is how our communication style really defines the experience of working with us and I also I'm a big believer that as coaches or facilitators in any form our content and our marketing every step of it should make someone feel like it feels to work with us so for example I want my clients to feel safe and seen and heard when they work together I want them to feel wholly respected as the amazing individuals that they are if I was using manipulative persuasive marketing techniques I would damage that relationship being able to be built. I have a big, my kind of philosophy around marketing is that it's an invitation. So like all I want to do is to create content that makes it easy for people to connect with me and see if I'm a good fit for them. And then at different regular times throughout the year, I just put my lights on and invite them to the different ways that they can go deeper if they want to. I don't want to have to persuade them. I don't want to have to try and manipulate them into feeling less than so that they buy from me. I just want to show up, be of service, make them feel from my content how it would feel to have a conversation with me and and respect the fact that they know best whether or not they want to go deeper into my work. And I think it takes a lot of trust in yourself and your business and your client base to do it that way. But I would say that it's made it possible for me to have really beautiful, meaningful client relationships. And I have... I don't ever feel icky in my business because I'm not doing anything from a place of wanting to persuade someone. I'm just making invitations that they have so much permission to just ignore or say no to. And I think there's a lot of joy in marketing in that way. Yeah, I I really want to come back to the invitation thing, but I think it's really important what you said about how the communication has to feel like how it's going to feel like to work with you Mm. because that is so important because that's all that people got to go on. It's not like they can see a picture of the product Mm. or or anything like that and and testimonials kind of only go so far. But to, to hear you talk on a podcast or to like have you write something to them that feels like an email that you would write to them where they can really feel seen and heard and through the, the the examples you use and the way that you talk you kind of help them see themselves reflected in it so mm. they can really believe that this is for them I think that's so important because ultimately your process can be as good as you like or your knowledge can be as good as you like but a lot of what they're buying is conversations with you and they've got to want to have that and to feel like for three six months however long it is they can talk to you every fortnight for an hour it doesn't matter how great your testimonials are if they don't feel like you're somebody that they could feel comfortable talking to then they're not going to book so I think that's such a huge part of marketing a business like this and we all get bogged down with kind of finding new clients and attracting Mm. people and showing our knowledge showing our expertise that actually forget we forget that like all that means nothing if they don't feel that they can talk to you 
I think something to keep in mind for anyone listening who is maybe in the earlier stages of building a client base up, because you do get to a point, I'm at a point now in my business where I don't really worry about finding clients, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like there, You get to a place where there is somewhat of a steady stream coming through your different, I call them bridges, like you're an island and you've built bridges and you get to a place where the clients are just coming in. You have to keep showing up, but you're less in acquisition mode. But I think something to always keep in mind is like choosing to work with a coach or any other type of facilitator is a leap of faith. Because Mm -hmm. like we said, there is no end product. The end product is whatever journey you two go on together. It's such a leap of faith for yourself to believe that you are going to show up to this experience. And it's you're so vulnerable because it's such an intimate relationship in many ways. And it's our job as coaches to have big boundaries so that person feels safe in that intimacy, if that makes sense. Mm. But it's it's such a leap of faith that I think through our marketing, we have to respect the fact that it's a leap of faith. And I'm a big believer in... I. I, I think I've told this story before on, on my own podcast. I had a client once who came to work with me and the coach she worked with before me told her on a sales call that her life would be a shit show if they didn't work together. Mm. And this that whole process was so traumatizing for that client. It completely disempowered my client to feel like the she was steering the ship of her own life. Mm. And I think when we respect the fact that it is a leap of faith for a client to work with us, we then can be more impactful in our marketing because like you said, we can communicate through our marketing what it's like to work with us. We can respect them so that when they come to the call, the worst thing you want with a client is for them to put you on a pedestal. You want them to trust you and respect you and value your insight, but you want them to feel like an equal on the call with you because if not, you've just got a power imbalance that's not right. And so I think it's respecting them as a whole awesome human being so that when they're ready to take the leap of faith, they're excited. They're not feeling like, if I don't take this leap of faith, I will fail. They're more feeling like, I trust myself and this person so much that I want to go on an adventure with them. And I think for our marketing, we can make it fun, we can make it safe. But we can also, through all of the work that we do, we can also treat people with so much respect that whether or not they buy from us, they get to walk away from anything that we share and feel like we've made their day a little bit better. And I think that's what excites me the most about marketing is that a small amount of people who engage with my work will end up hiring me, but a much bigger pool of people will never pay me a penny ever, but they can still have impact from my work. And I think that's what makes marketing even more joyful for me is that it's not just marketing. It's actually another way to be of service. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's important is that the value of those people as well, because I know I've had conversations where it's like, oh, these people are never going to hire me. And so you kind of kind of cut them off because you're thinking so much in terms Mm. of like, is this person going to be a client? Yes or no? Well, they're dead to me then. (laughs) Like, yes. I mean, it's also really lovely that you think, yeah, I can have this impact with someone through a blog post. And like, yeah, that makes me feel good if somebody gets something from a podcast or a blog post. But also I've had people recommend me who have never worked with me. Like people, I I get a client through who saw my name mentioned in a Facebook group. Well, I know it was a Facebook group for a course and I know that none of my clients had taken that course. So it couldn't have been a client who'd recommended me. And like people who share the podcast with a friend and the friend then goes on to hire me so it's like there are too many webs to be so black and white about this person will hire me this person won't because the person who won't might also tell five people who will so it's it's kind of having that little bit more longevity of thinking as well but yeah I want to pull the pin out of inviting people putting out an invitation to people and kind of talking about your approach to selling because I know that's a huge one for people that they either hate to do or they really worry about so yeah I'd love for you to just unpack that a little bit more 
Yeah, so kind of my mantra on like inviting, not selling is, it's really simple actually. I sell in the following ways. Once or twice a quarter, depending on my upcoming availability, I will remind my email list and usually through Instagram stories, I'll say, hey, I'm booking. This is what I'm booking for. This is how much availability I have. And it's very much just like an open-ended invitation. Like, hey, if you want to work together, just so you know, this is what I have coming up. That's you. That's that's how I attract clients. And then obviously some people will come to your website and find you, but usually so that I call it putting my lights on. So I'm like, that's my main taxi light is... <laughs> Once or twice a quarter, I'll remind people of my upcoming availability. If I'm launching a specific new product, I will usually send a email to my newsletter list to say, hey, this new thing's here. Here's where you can go check it out. Never try and, and I, I never want to have like any false urgency or like my anyone who's like goes to my website, my sales copy is just very like, this is what this is. It's not like, <laughs> hey, if you don't do this, your life will suck. And then the third way is that every Sunday I send a weekly letter to my email list. At the bottom of every email list, every Sunday letter is a reminder of the of my guided journal that I have for sale or something else that's in my shop. Just as a little gentle reminder that, hey, here's this £18 product if you want to go deeper into my work. And now and again, I'll open the newsletter with a reminder of what's available. Those are the only ways that I sell. Because what I've got is I have got a community built around my work of people who are going on a journey with me, whether they've been here for a year or five years, and they connect with my work and they enjoy my work. And now and again, I just invite them to go deeper in such a gentle way that if it's a no, they don't feel, I hope they don't feel like it was invasive to be to just have that invitation. Content is always the forefront of my communication with my community. The invitation is just kind of there when I put my lights on. And honestly, I have, I mean, I'm booked out at any one time, usually three to six months in advance. And what I've learned over the past five years is you don't have to scream to get people's attention. If you are of value and if you create content that builds a relationship with them, all you then have to do is remind them how to buy from you. It's And it doesn't, you're probably not going to get booked out overnight with that approach, but you probably are in the long run going to get booked out with clients who are a perfect fit for your business. And there's also something really lovely, I think, about engaging with, especially a coach where their marketing style feels gentle I think there's something very nice about never feeling like you're being screamed at I understand that we all have to put our lights on and sell and I see so many of my clients who are afraid to ever put their lights on Mm -hmm. and we do a lot of work together around getting them to do that but you can put your lights on and you can sell in a way that feels human and not in a way that feels robotic I mean you do it wonderfully Kate I never feel like you're selling ever but you do sell you obviously get bookings and you obviously sell Mm -hmm. courses but you do it in such a beautiful human way if you approach content in in a good way, you at the end point, the client's already at a yes before you invite them, the, the good fit ones. That's yeah. that's the magic of, of content, of the mapping out a customer journey through content in that way, is that at the end point, if they're a good fit, all you have to do is make the invitation. They're already ready to say yes. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that I do it well because I feel like I, I'm always so paranoid, like, oh God, I, I talked about this the other day. And, oh, I can't I can't talk about this thing again. But I think it's always important to really see how you react to other people's stuff. Because mm. like I literally don't care when when I see people like share what they're doing on stories or say this course is for sale or I get an email. Like as long as the re- I've been served so well and I enjoy following mm. them and I like what they do, I'm like okay great it's either something I'm interested in or I'm not and then if I'm not like I'll skip the story but I'm not going to unfollow them and and hate them forever and ever and I think that's what we worry about is that people will will do that and yeah so I think it's even if you are you know you're not kind of six years in and you don't 
kind of have that build up yet of the content. I think it it can feel scary because you're like, oh, I don't have the time to build all this content. But the content is doing like more than one job at a time. Mm. And it really is that just going at it with that that ask because I think for a long time there was a lot of trying to hide the the sales pitch like with webinars mm. where you'd have this like 45 minute like actually not very valuable <laughs> um, <laughs> slideshow about something and then you'd be hit with it and actually people have been so burnt by that and we're all so wary of it that just being straightforward and saying oh I've got this thing for sale this is it it does x y and z and if you're struggling with a b and c then you might be interested to check it out but if not here's here's something else that you might find interesting like just treat like you say treat people with respect and treat them like they're not idiots goes a long way in this world especially as I say that they've been burnt by by being treated like idiots so I think it's like not having that fear and just saying and believing in your product as well like you've made this thing because you know it can help people so so let it help them like tell them that it can help them and put it out there so it's available for them to find as and when they need it yeah and just I think it's I I know historically marketing is seen as a persuasion tool but I just think marketing is like a connection tool it's a way to connect and invite I don't ever want someone to work with me or buy something from me because I've persuaded them to. Mm. That doesn't feel like an equal equal exchange to me. I think our content is there just to show people who we are and what we do, and it treats them. It gives that it gives them the power to say yes or no if they want to go deeper or not. And also, I think it's not looking at your client base so in such a binary like they're working with me or they're not working with me because there's so many people who work with me four years after they first yeah. got in touch with me. Do you know what I mean? It's just. I think there's something about surrender. Again, it's surrender. You can't control when someone's going to book, when they're going to inquire, when they're going to buy, when they're going to do whatever. And if you try and control that, and then you go into a scarcity mindset through your marketing, what you're actually doing is alienating all the potential future customers. Mm. There's a lot of trust in it, and there's a lot of respect. And then I think I've said this a lot on my own podcast. It's like, your business can't give you what it's not ready to give you yet. So if sometimes, if you're struggling, if say you've just launched and you're not booking any clients yet, the question isn't to ask yourself, why am I booking any clients? The question to ask yourself is, how can I make it easier for the best fit clients for me to find me and to connect with my work and see if I'm a good fit for them? Mm. Don't stay in a mindset of like, oh, how do I get them to do what I want them to do? And move to a mindset of how can I make it easier for people to see what I'm here and available to offer them? And it, that's way more fun for you and it's way more enjoyable for them as well. And I think it helps to put yourself in their shoes a little bit as well and remember times where you've maybe booked something or, or you've done something. And so you can understand the thought process. Like, for example, somebody who I followed on Instagram for a really long time, really loved their work. They're, they're an artist and... Like, since I knew we were going to move in, like, the summer, I've been like, I'm going to get them to do a painting for me. But Mm. I didn't inquire until, like, I had moved. Of course. (laughs) But, you know, they could have been like, oh, she's never going to buy from me. I'm just kind of... But there's a lot going on that you don't know in people's heads Mm. (laughs) and people's lives that you can't control. So it's just kind of, like... Yeah, look at them like a human and be like, okay, I can understand that, like, it's nearly Christmas or it's you know a bad time of year or you know it's school holidays like they've got other stuff going on but that doesn't mean it's a never so just like be understanding of that and be there when when they are ready and put in place things so that they don't forget about you and that that decision is being made before they inquire because then as you say you don't have to persuade them 
Like that's what I get a lot with people who inquire with me. They've made the decision before they've sent the email. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that just makes it so much nicer for us as the coach because then, like, like I don't do sales calls. If someone asks to jump on a call just to ask a few questions about working together, that's good with me. But I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the times, I someone will email me ready to book or with a couple of questions. And I actually think the concept of a sales call is actually I don't I don't ever want to jump on a call with someone and try and persuade them to work with me. I just want to treat them again as a whole human being and answer any questions they might have. And I think it's just yeah, we we can facilitate a customer journey, but we but the the customer is still on their own journey that is not ours to control, mm. and we have to respect that. And when we respect it and let it breathe wonderful things happen because once you've got enough flow of a client base it doesn't matter if someone's not booking you this month because the person who wasn't booking you three months ago is now booking you Mm. so it all balances out in the end so Jen I've got one last question to ask you which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life so I was thinking about this before you asked me (laughs) and my most honest answer is that I opt out of growth. In this season of my life, that is how I'm growing. That's how I'm navigating my life with soul, is that I'm opting out of choosing bigger, better, more. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to live in what I've built. I'm choosing to go deeper, not wider into what I've built. I'm choosing to opt out of the narrative that I have to go bigger. I think that is how I'm bringing soul into my work. I think in the past, when I've needed things to grow because I'm trying to get my business into a sustainable place, I've done it by focusing on connection over conversion and by focusing on community over selling but I think right now in this season of my business and life opting out of a growth mindset and embracing more of an enough mindset is how I am navigating this with soul I love that yeah uh, and that's a, a little thing that I'm toying with at the moment as well so <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like we can probably talk for like six hours so uh, we should probably leave it there but yeah. thank you so much for this being your one podcast of 2019 <laughs> um, and uh so if people want to find you connect with you find things um where can they go just come on over to jencarrington.com you can find I have a library full of mini books I have blog posts I have podcasts you can come connect with me on Instagram always love to connect with people thanks so much Jen thanks Kate okay so there's a few end of term notices before I leave you one is if you're not already signed up to my email list I will be sending through some special end of year thank yous to subscribers at the beginning of December so go to simpleandseason.com forward slash free hyphen resources I'll put that in the show notes as well to get on the list and get the thank yous as well as you've been here on the podcast If you've been listening to this episode because you're a coach craving growth and sustainability in your business, then this is also your last chance to get my course, the playbook, with all the pre-order bonuses of the discounted price, um, the journaling workbook and the live workshop. So you'll still be able to sign up for the course until it starts in mid-January, but the cutoff for the bonuses is December the 2nd. Finally, Thank you so much for letting me into your ears and into your life this year, whether you've listened to one episode or to all of them. I truly appreciate you for being here, for contributing questions and ideas, and for sharing and recommending the show. I'll be back with a new season for you in January. Any links that we mentioned will be on the show notes at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Jen on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at Jen Carrington underscore. As always, if you think you have a friend who'd really enjoy this episode, please do send them the link and share where you're listening online. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.